Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you by your good friends at Bleed Los. www.bleedlos.com. Just like the name of this podcast. Hopefully they don't sue us, actually. I haven't thought about that until just now. But anyway, uh, they uh, they make some fantastic merchandise. Merchandise. Dang, man. These ad reads are getting harder and harder to do. I apologize. But anyway... So they uh, they have some pretty sick Dodgers merch, uh, Dodgers-related merch. The Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt, you should get that because they have it. And uh, for being a, a, a loyal listener to this here podcast, if you go to their website and add whatever you want to their cart, or to your cart, I should say, and enter in the promo code BLEEDLOSPOD, you will save uh, 10% on your purchase uh, conditions and terms do apply. Please see their website for more details as far as that goes. But uh, again, bleed loss. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the consideration. And uh, and our good friends at FOCO. FOCO uh, are, are a fantastic fandom website. They have all the things that you can think of. Bobbleheads, bathrobes, shirts, you know, everything. Office supplies, you know, anything you want from the Dodgers, you can get it there. Add whatever you want from their website from the link in the description for this podcast and whatever platform you're listening to. Click on that. It'll take you to their website. Add whatever you want to your cart. When you check out, there will be a discount applied for once again being a loyal listener to this podcast. And uh, conditions and terms always apply. Please see their website for more details. But big thanks to FOCO. And thank you for being a loyal listener to this podcast. This week we hit 120 on the rankings as of the last time we checked uh, for... uh, for all baseball podcasts uh, in the uh, in the country, so thank you. That that actually means a lot to us. Uh, so please subscribe. Please uh, any ratings you may have, by all means, please uh, please do all those things for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because without you guys, we don't have the Focos and the Bleed Los folks sponsoring this podcast. So thank you guys a ton. We really appreciate it. We love you guys. But without further ado, here's another edition of. The Bleed Los Podcast. It's your boys, Alonso y Juan, with the baby gimmick, baby face gimmick, voice in the sky, Roger. There, there's baseball, guys. Like, we actually get to talk about games. Like, and I know that you've been chomping at the bit to talk baseball, Juan. Like, how, 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 how have you felt actually watching the game with people in the stands? You know, the, the fact that there's fans in the stands doesn't really phase me. I, I really didn't have a problem without, with no fans in the stands last year when I was watching games. I'm just glad that we actually get to watch games and now we can actually see how these guys are performing as opposed to just keep predicting, well, I think he's going to do this now. 
we can actually see. And I'm actually, I'm excited. It's, it's the question marks. Those are the guys that I want to see play. I want, those are the guys that I want to see, you know, the Brandon Morrow's, the Jimmy Nelson's, like the guys that, you know, all the non-roster invitees, those are the guys I'm excited to, to see because they're just going to add to the Dodgers depth. But there is one thing I want to bring out real quick, uh, just because this is, I think, what got me really excited about baseball. Yeah. And that is um, the New Jersey Online Gaming uh, released MLB's booziest fans. And I have to say that I'm a little surprised at how low Dodger fans rank on this. Uh, Dodger fans are the uh, 27th uh, ranked booziest fans. We average 2.7 alcoholic beverages at, at a Dodger game. So I, I was a little surprised by that because I feel every time I go to a Dodger game, that's all everybody's doing. You know, maybe they're not countering they're not counting the micheladas or anything like that. But I was, I was a little surprised at, at, at how low we rank in the booziest uh, baseball fans in, in the league. A couple of issues that I take with that. Number one, New Jersey is already suspect. So I can't, no matter what you say, I mean, aside from Bruce Springsteen and Brian Fallon, it's all suspect. Number two, clearly whoever did that ranking has never once been to Dodger stadium because if they have, you go, you go to the top, like the top top, or you go out to the pavilion, everyone's holding two drinks like at the same damn time. So that's, that is fake news. That's what I'm saying. I, I, and you want to know who ranks last, and this is why I think this this list is even super suspect. Last, I'm going to say uh, they probably have one of the Pennsylvania teams. Look at you! Did you see the list? No, I have not seen the list. Did you say that? That surprised me. I, I would not see that. Hey, hey, babyface, you want to take a guess at who ranks last? The uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, You're yeah. going to tell Close. me. That the fans of Philadelphia, the fans who boo Santa Claus. I mean, I, I've been to a game, a Dodgers Philly game out there. That, that surprised me that they, and number one, for those of you that are, are interested, it is the South Siders, the Chicago White Sox. I don't believe that. I, I honestly don't. Like, it, no, no. I, I would think it would be one of those Midwest. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, if anybody's been to Comiscular or I don't know what it's really called now, that's what I call it. I know it's U.S. It was a U.S. cellular, cellular? For, a, yeah. for, for a while, but that, I mean, it's changing now because the team's actually pretty good, getting good. But before, I mean, the only thing you could do there is just eat. They have really good food at the White Sox Stadium. I will oh, tell you that. Fantastic food. Yeah. Fantastic so, food. I mean, I get it. I mean, they average... 4.2 alcoholic beverages there at, at, at a game. So uh, once again, was... I call bullshit though, because, <laughs> because New Jersey who has a, you know, a storied rivalry of sorts with the New York, New Jersey area slash, you know, with Philadelphia, you know, Pennsylvania area, I call garbage because clearly those people have never been to, a, to anything at a, I forget what it's called now, but where the Phillies play and it's what, no, is like it, they throw. It's not. It's not Citizens drinks. Bank. Citizens is, one, yeah, Citizens One Bank, I think, is what it is. But either way, they throw two point seven beverages at people a game, and then they drink two points. No, that doesn't. That math doesn't <laughs> add up. And no, I, I call shenanigans there. But see, I, this is why you can't believe everything on the internet. That's just but, proof right there. 
this just goes to show you that baseball is back because we have spring training and we're already talking about what we're going to drink when we go back to games, which there is a good chance, if you believe the governor, that we might have fans in the stands by opening day. I mean, for me, the reason that I point out the, the fans in the stands, I, that's the missing component to, to making the game feel like the game. Because it's, you know, it's obviously like it was cool having fans, you know, for the postseason bubble. But it, how, how much sweeter would it have been had, let's say, they would have played the World Series at each respective stadium and they would have even let a small amount of fans in. So for me, that, that's always, you know, as much as I, uh, uh, I'm not a huge fan of going to games in Philadelphia in general, like I would never take my children to a game in Philadelphia. But that's what adds the dynamic of going to a game in Philadelphia is those, those, those crazy fans that will throw the 2.7 beers at you. I will tell you that. I mean, I, when I went to that Dodger Phillies game, the usher did a really good job of protecting us Dodger fans that were there. But as I was leaving that game, you know what that usher said to me? That usher said, hey, just be careful. We can protect you inside here. We can't protect you outside. It's true. They're savages. They're sav- and don't even get me started <laughs> on Philadelphia Eagle fans. Oh, man. But like when the Cowboys come to town and just like literally the things that like bags of piss eggs that they throw at the buses you're just like damn they re- i mean there's hate and then there's like philadelphia hate like it's a different it's a it's a completely different level of hooliganism but like hey you know what i digress i'm just on a podcast <laughs> but uh you know what i will say it's been good to see these guys go out there and do the thing dustin may i mean dustin may looks like he's in midseason form and then some Okay, but all right, let's pump the brakes, okay, guys? It's been one outing. I mean, this is the one thing I do like about spring training. Everybody looks good. Everybody is hopeful, right? Well, and I agree with that. However, most of the time when you see – when you get to spring training, a lot of guys are are coming in trying to get their reps in, right? And that's that's standard. The stuff that they're throwing isn't reps in. That's stuff that it's like, okay – I'm going to go out there and, and, and game a little bit and just see how it does. Walker Buehler, the other, obviously we'll just, we'll just dive right into him. He's been throwing since I think December, if not, maybe a little after or a little before in November. It looks like he has been because I mean, his stuff looked electric the other night. And that's but doesn't he Walker- have, but doesn't he have more F bombs than strikeouts so far in, I'm okay uh, with in that spring though. training? I'm okay with that though. Because I mean, that, that tells me where he's at here. It's telling me that he's trying to get, he wants to be ready going into the season. So, you know, if anything, I mean, if, you know, if I don't know if it's the Padres doing what they did, I don't know if it's the Dodgers doing what they did, if it's everyone else trying to get better, whatever the case may be, someone got in his ear and was like, hey, we, we, we can't start slow. This is why we're going to do it this way. And you know what? More, more kudos to him. Do you think that that, that radar gun was accurate. Do you really think that Dustin May is throwing a hundred? Was it there a sequence where he threw a hundred ninety nine and then a hundred? Yes, uh, yes, I do think they're accurate. If there's anywhere that the speed guns or the radar guns are going to be accurate, it's at spring training because you want to see what they're legit throwing and uh, and get an idea of where they're at. Because if they're obviously you know a little slower, then they got to work on stuff. So. Uh, if the two places that I always expect the radar guns to be on par minor league stadiums and spring training. So I, I, yeah, I legit think he's, he's coming with 101 heat. And you know what, the way that he, I mean, he looked pretty dialed in and I think some of it had to do with 
you know, some of the struggles that he ran into in the World Series. But all you know what? If that's what it took for him to kind of get that fire lit under his ass, I'm all for it, dude. Like he I mean, he hit that that uh what is it, a knuckle curve that he throws? Uh it, it's you know, or like it's kind of like a knuckle curve. That pitch is filthy. And then you go from that to like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna throw you 101 casual heat. Okay, that's fine. hundred percent I'm okay with it. But the other caveat to it is Corey Canable went, you know, the other day and he looked dialed in too. That looked like the Corey Canable that we saw in 2017. That's that's the Corey Canable the Dodgers wanted. And so far that's you know, that's that's what they're gonna get. So I mean, I I can't even complain. But I mean, obviously it's a short sample size, right? In this short sample size that we've seen up up through today, the recording of this podcast, who would you say stands out the most to you? Um, that, I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, that, that, it's hard for me only because a lot of these guys you've only seen once. I do want to, I want to talk about DJ Peters only for this sense. The last couple of years that I've gone to spring training, I always see DJ Peters and that guy always hits a bomb. Every time I've seen him, he's either hit a bomb or he struck out. Now, I, I know you've talked about this before in the past, and that is when you have uh, prospects that are a little older, and by little older, we mean maybe in their mid-20s. Is this going to be the year that he finally breaks through? Is this going to be the year that he's going to make the roster and maybe be a utility guy? Because he's a big dude. And I don't know how many positions you can play him at, but I, I just feel like this poor guy every year in spring training is out there mashing. And you already know there's no chance that he's going to make the team because the roster is so stacked, but maybe this year it's going to be different because there are question marks. You know, I, I was thinking about this other, earlier. Because Kike Kike Hernandez has been having himself a you know he's had a good couple appearances out there he's doing all the right things right so I mean he, he he's kind of showing everyone that his his gap is going to be a little difficult to fill however everyone talks about the Dodgers pitching depth the Dodgers pitching depth but they don't talk about the depth that they have at position players either um, and and DJ Peters unfairly in my opinion but that's a part of the business is labeled as an older prospect he's only twenty five. He, he's, you know, he's kind of got all those intangibles and right now he's doing whatever he can to make the team. And if there's anything that the Dodgers like you and I, we've talked about this same with Roger. If you play multiple positions, the Dodgers will, will eventually take a look at you. Right. So I think, I, I think this is the year that it's like kind of like a make it or break it for him. And unfairly I say, but if there's, if there's anything of an opportunity, if you will, you know, you don't have to worry about a log jam of guys like a Kike Hernandez, like a Jock Peterson, preventing you from potentially taking a role in some capacity uh, on this team. Because obviously you have Cody Bellinger, you have AJ Pollock, you have Mookie Betts in that outfield. That's a pretty set outfield. AJ Pollock's a little bit older of a guy, so he's going to need some days off, right? We have Chris Taylor. However, it sounds like that Gavin Lux uh, has second base Second base is essentially for him to lose from everything that I've gathered from what everyone's saying. And, uh, and then, you know, first is going to be kind of a mixture of a Muncie, maybe a DJ Peters, maybe even a Zach McKinstry type. Right. So it's one of those things where I feel like he's, he, you know, you can say there's too much talent there with the combination of like the Muncie's, the Bellinger's, the Edwin Rios of the world. 
Uh, but what I think what's going to help set him like apart is, is getting that back going. And we've all known that he's got that pop, right? He's got the pop and, and he can get it going, but with him being able to play first, being able to, you know, to play outfield and to get a consistent back going, that's going to be one of those hard things where I, I feel like, you know, when they go in to sit down and make that roster, it's going to be hard to cut him just because he has those two things in his favor. Because Muncie, obviously Muncie can play first base, can play second base, and, you know, he, he can play the entire infield diamond. The, the other thing that helps him is he's going to be able to give a day off to, to Pollock. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But I, I do think after if, if everything stays the course and nothing crazy happens, I think Peters does make the roster. Well, picking up on the Gavin Lux thing that you brought up, I, I think the Dodgers want Gavin Lux to win that. And I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do that because, I mean, he was playing shortstop the other day. I think they're going to give him as much opportunity to play and prove himself with his bat. I think the reason why they want Gavin Lux to win that second base position is because they want to move Chris Taylor around. And if Gavin Lux wins that second base position, that means you can move Chris Taylor. I mean, Dave Roberts talked about using Chris Taylor at third base. And you heard Chris Taylor said, you know, it's a little different than playing second base and shortstop. It is something that I'm going to have to work on. So I wonder if in spring training, I mean, to answer your previous question, there isn't anybody that I am particularly, oh, wow, blown away. Uh, there's just a bunch of players that I want to see play more. I want to see Chris Taylor at third base. I want to see what that's going to do because you're going to have to spell Justin Turner. And speaking of Justin Turner, he looks super slim. I'm a little worried about what uh, what that's what that's going to do to his power. I mean, I'm, does he just look skinnier because he trimmed his beard, or did Justin Turner really lose weight? I think he just got in shape. Like it just he just he just got uh, leaner. What I mean by that, not to say that he was out of shape, he wasn't. Um, but you know, I think just kind of with his nagging injuries and you know running around and stuff, especially that hamstring. I mean, I've been there. I've torn my hamstring, and one of the things that my orthopedic surgeon said was just like, hey maybe you should think about losing some weight. First of all, I'm not fat. So how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, I can, I, I can appreciate that though, because you know, you gotta, you gotta carry the body around. Right. So it's, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, again, everyone talked about going into age 36 season, right. And the older you get, you know, things change, et cetera. If he comes out and he does the Justin Turner that we all know, obviously no one's going to be worried. You know, but if he starts getting slow and, uh, you know, or starts the season slow, I should say, uh, you know, has struggles at the plate, whatever the case may be, that could be a thing that comes up. Hey, is that power gone? Whatever. So I'm curious to see how that pans out. Uh, well, you you remember when uh, Prince Fielder lost all that weight? He had gone, you know, I think he went vegan. Yeah. Yeah. He went but vegan. I mean, he, it's still, he was still hitting. I just don't think he was hitting for that, those same power numbers, but it is just a little jarring. I mean, when I saw Justin Turner there, I was just like, did they bar him from Teddy's red tacos or what? Uh, shout out to Teddy's red tacos and make sure they want to send an order over to my place. It's perfectly <laughs> fine there. But as I said, it's just, there's so many players that I want to see. And I wonder if, because they're now playing seven innings, if it's going to limit, 
you know, who's playing, if it's going to cause people to make more decision. I don't, I haven't looked at the schedule, so I don't know how many split squad games they're going to have this year. I don't know if because of COVID that they maybe are going to limit the number of split squad, uh, split squad games, but there's just so many people that, that I, that I want to see. I want to see this Zach McKinstry because of everybody's talking. If I'm not mistaken, they're no, doing no split no, squad no, games, right? No, yeah. That's correct. No split squad. No uh, split squad. Okay. And because of COVID. Uh, Zach McKinstry just hit a single. Uh, so he, 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 and he looked great doing it. So I, I don't think there's going to be a concern there. So he uh, listens to the Bleed Lows podcast is what I you're hope saying. So. I, I mean, he's listening to it as we speak in real time. So that's what's nice about it. Uh, I will say the dude that I was interested to see because it's a contract year is Corey Seager and he's starting it off great, white hot, kind of what we expected. Uh, which, you know, that's that's kind of what the Dodgers need because obviously he's made it clear that he doesn't want to make the uh, you know a potential extension if you will uh, you know a distraction which is hey that's the great at you know the the right attitude to take but obviously reality you know is a little different than everything else with how it pans out with that sort of stuff but I digress but you know he, you know I, I was interested to see him and Gavin Lux because I, I you know everything that I've heard from Dave Roberts even from uh, from you know the the the, the folks that I know over there, everyone was going into it as like, Hey, you know, we weren't stoked with him last year because of this, this, and this. And now we're just going to give him every opportunity to kind of write the ship, if you will. And, and that's, that, that's what they're giving him to do. I, I also feel like the reason they're doing that, if I'm honest, is they didn't really go out there and try to get anyone that, that fit their need at second, if you will, you know, they could have obviously because they, they splurged on Trevor Bowers. So no, why, why not spend some money on a good two bad guy? And, um, and they, you know, he, I think the Dodgers kind of look at Gavin almost kind of like a DJ Peters type, like an older quote unquote prospect. Cause he's no longer a prospect. He's been in the show. So, yeah. so, you know, and he's 23, you know, he's still, you know, he's relatively young, but unfairly is looked at like an older prospect to some people. I still think that's garbage. I've never been a fan of that stuff, but what do I know? Again, I'm just the guy on a podcast, but, uh, but, you know, I feel like every avenue and every opportunity is there for him to take that job. It's just a matter of him taking the job is, is kind of everything, you know, what all the signs point to as well. Um, another dude that I was interested to see was Corey Knable. Corey Knable, uh, you know, obviously he had his injuries and all that jazz. And obviously the Dodgers went out and, and made a, a move for him. And uh, he looked fantastic the other night. And what it's stacking up for, you know, Dave Roberts has come out and said that they're getting every pitcher essentially that that they are, are looking at as a starter to be treated and groomed like a starter, right? Obviously, Corey Cadable is not a starter. But what we're also starting to see is some of those bullpen arms. You know, today we're going to see Blake Trinan pitch, uh, Jimmy Nelson's pitching, Victor Gonzalez is pitching, uh, you know, all those uh, those arms, if you will. Uh, Kenley Jansen also had himself a, a good outing the other day, and everyone was was talking him up. Uh, and he felt good on, on everything. So and that's kind of another one of those guys on the low key thing, but a guy I want to talk about that we talked about on last week's podcast is Julio Diaz. We, we were texting about it and, and I kind of want to hear from, from Roger's perspective because he's the one that brought it up, how, how he saw Julio the other day. I mean, I think, you know, Spring, it's a spring training start, right? That's what we've been talking about. This, uh, it's the spring. Um, what did he throw? He threw almost like 30 pitches Something that like first that. inning. Um, I think they, they called the inning, correct? They didn't, he didn't actually get out of the inning. 
Yeah, it was yeah. like the they the the I call it the you know the the what do they call it uh, the uh, the mercy pitches, rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, what I hear, um, uh, Dave Roberts said he wasn't he didn't uh, he was kind of relying more on his uh, on his uh, on his fastball and not not enough breaking breaking balls. So, you know, it's it's spring first first start. You know, totally expect Julio to to be right there. You know, next start. And, you know, we'll see the Julio that we saw in, in October, you know, and going forward. So nothing, nothing to worry about there. But, you know, just one of those spring starts and, you know, you're going to get, you know, guys that go out there and, you know, shut them down in, you know, 10 pitches. And you're going to get guys that, you know, might struggle a little bit and go 25 pitches. So I think, uh, I think Julio will be okay. I think so, too. I don't think, it. I, you know, I just think it's one of those getting back at it in like game action situations because going from the bullpen to that is, is a different thing, but it's, listen, I I'm, I'm excited to see some of these guys because even though it's just the spring start, you know, some of, some people look at these, like they count. I look at these like, okay, like this is what they worked on in the off season. And a dude that clearly is trying to live up to the pressure is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer had himself a, a pretty outstanding start the other day. Again, spring start. But he looked, he looked fantastic. That knuckle curve that he throws is downright filthy. So it's, you know, he, he went out there, you know, kind of ready, ready to go. And, I, and again, I, you know, I think everyone kind of knows for the most part kind of what's at stake, you know, trying to repeat, you know, the work that goes into it. And, uh, and everyone clearly did their offseason stuff because they know so far no one showed up out of shape. Uh, you know, I, I mean, they did uh, talk about Chris Taylor that he's going to miss a few days with the neck issue. That's not, you know, related to anything else. It's just a part of the, you know, the process, if you will. But I, I feel like it, you know, I, there is a good level of optimism, if you will, going into the season, especially because now in the division, there is for sure some, uh, some, uh, some pressure because of, uh, of Rogers show pods, if you will, being, you know, making the moves that they did. But speaking of Trevor Bauer, I, I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, the story that, uh, that Chalupa, or I'm sorry, Rachel Luba, uh, who else? Wow. Well, now we're never going to get her on the show. Well, she—I've heard her go by Chalupa. Oh, really? Yeah. Then, uh, then we definitely need to get her on the show to ask her about that. I want to. I, I feel like it, I, it was probably a thing like that where someone just said her name wrong and that it just stuck. Um, and no, no, no offense to to Rachel. That's what I've seen. That's what I've seen on the Twitter machine. But uh, uh you know, the story that she revealed, the wild story about nearly signing with the Mets because of that glitch of them announcing the, uh, the, the Mets merch. And I, so I, I told you guys when all that happened, that, that he was either one of two things. It was an honest mistake or that he was trolling. And then there was no in between. I, I don't, I don't. And I still look at it that way. If I'm honest with that. Um, I'm kind of kidding. Uh, you, did you guys get a chance to look over that? Yeah, I saw that. What, uh, what did you guys, uh, well, for those of you that didn't, uh, so apparently the, the website stuff, the merch stuff is handled by a separate team uh, side outside of Luba Sports. And uh, they're the ones that, that uploaded that evidently to the website uh, sooner. Trevor found out about it, was pissed. And he's like, well, fuck, now I, I have to sign with the Mets. Like, literally, that was his reaction. Like, like, I have to sign with the Mets now. So Rachel reached out to him and was like, well, take a breather. Put your phone down. Go take over for a walk. You know, think about your options here. You don't have to sign with them. You, you can't make a decision just solely on a mistake you know, look at all the cards and, and we'll kind of go from there. And then obviously we know what happens. He went in there and, uh, and, and he signed with the Dodgers. And by the way, the exact quote, Trevor Bauer was ready set to, to join the Mets after the merch fiasco quote to Rachel Luba. It's fucking over. I'm signing with the Mets end quote. 
And uh, I'm done. Call the Dodgers. It's done. It's going to be the other team, the Mets. So, end quote. So now we're here. We know what happened. But I'm kind of curious to hear your guys' uh, kind of uh, take on that story. Well, for me, I think what it illustrates really is the agent's role in this. I think a lot of times you lose sight of the fact that the agent works for the player. And, you know, when these decisions are made, it's like, okay, who's making the decision? Is the agent making the decision saying you should go here because I can get more money out of there? Or is the player dictating, hey, I want to go here because they give me the best chance to win or I want to go there because I want to be closer to home. So I think it does a, a really nice job of illustrating the type of relationship that they have with one another. If Trevor Bauer was really going to sign with the Mets because of that, because of that merchandising, I think I think that would have sucked. Uh, one of the other reasons why I think it's really hard, especially with veteran players in spring training, uh, to decide, you know, are they ready or are they not ready, is I feel like a lot of the times veteran players are out there specifically just working on stuff, like stuff that they like, okay, I'm going to do. So going back to Julio, struggling in that first inning, Maybe Julio was trying something. I, I, I'm not sure. I know Dave Roberts said, why wasn't he throwing? He didn't really use his breaking ball that much. And I know when we had Rafael on, he had talked about, I mean, Rafael had said that the fastball is his best pitch. So maybe because it was his first time out there, Julio decided, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to just work on my fastball right now. And again, unfortunately it was control issues that, that hurt him. But you look at Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer was a little shaky in that first inning. But then in that second inning, he was lights out. I mean, that curveball looked, I mean, if he's pitching like that straight from April on, I mean, it is a great signing. So it was very reassuring for me to see Trevor Bauer in that first outing, because as much, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of whenever he talks to the media, he holds the camera and oh, he yeah. is filming the media yeah. asking him questions. So I've always been intrigued that clearly this man has an agenda. He's about building his brand. And if I was just one of those old hard asses, get off my lawn, I'd be like, oh, it's taking away from what, you know, his talent on the his performance. Well, obviously it's not. Everything that I've been seeing, all his teammates, they see this guy loves baseball and all he does is talk about baseball with everything. So I think Trevor Bauer is basically showing Dodger fans he can walk and chew gum at the same time. He can work on his brand and at the same time work on his ability as a pitcher. And I'm, I'm very excited to see him continue to pitch. And I said, I said, this signing is going to be measured whether the Dodgers win the world series or not. If the Dodgers win the world series again, and they are repeat champions, because for those of you, I don't want anybody to forget here. The Dodgers are the defending world series champions. If the Dodgers end up winning another world series, that signing was worth every penny. Roger, what say you? Now going back a little bit to 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 that to that story, what was I still find kind of odd is okay, they have this mess merchandise. Now this is coming from a designer background. Now obviously that stuff takes time to to you know create and have it ready. I still haven't seen any Dodgers stuff. There was nothing nothing that was leaked from the, for the Dodgers. Nothing, nothing that's even come out, I believe, that he has any type of Dodger stuff. So it's kind of weird. Why did he only have Mets stuff? It's like, you know, was he really leaning towards the Mets? 
somehow and somehow at the last minute he changed his mind i mean like i said it's kind of odd that there's no dodgers merchandise that you know leaked or, or came out well do you think maybe he was leaning towards the mets because the mets were much more aggressive and then maybe friedman finally got the go-ahead from walter at the end and said and i think alonso you said this that walter gave him to just get it done and then he came in. I Maybe Bauer thought, you know, the Dodgers aren't going to meet what the Mets are going to offer me. I'm going to the Mets. So let's just, you know, it sounds like from that quote, too, that it's like, it's over. I'm going to the Mets. Maybe it was just frustration on Bauer's part, too, that the Dodgers weren't coming up until the last minute when Friedman got the go ahead. Just get the deal done. Whatever it takes, get it done. Get him in a Dodger uniform. Um, I, I, I don't know. That's that, that's interesting. I a, a part of me, so I look at it from two ways. So you're right, the agent obviously works for the player, and the agent's going to try to get the best deal that they can possibly get for the player, but also for them too, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. I, I don't know how true it is that that Luba doesn't have any say so in the merchandising component because typically your agent is also an attorney or your attorney or has a power of attorney for you, so they negotiate any things that require your likeness to be signed off on. I'm not saying that Rachel's lying. I'm not denying any of that, you know, because that could be an entire different thing through momentum, right? So it's it's just more or less, there's a couple of things that don't add up. I'm not calling anyone a liar. We're obviously probably not going to ever know the full story. It is what it is. I um, my, my theory is he was leaning towards the Mets. Dodgers came in with a slightly better offer. And then, you know, now we're here. Um, that's... That's what I think it was, and then that's that's what it is. Is it possible that this could have happened to a certain degree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look how it all went. I mean, the timeline kind of adds up, you know. And and I mean, if if that's the case, you know, I'm glad he didn't make a decision in haste, and he went and he wound up where he wanted to be. Because if that's where he wanted to be, then so be it. Um, so it's you know, it's one of those things where it, it's it's he said, she said for lack of a better term. And like Rod, to Roger's point, some of it doesn't add up. But I mean, who knows, right? At the end of the day, he's a doctor and he's signed for $102 million and, uh, and now we're here. So it's it, it, what I find funny, though, is how pissed New York Mets Twitter is, though, still. <laughs> like they, they, I mean, Sandy Alderson straight up said, you know, if, you know, was asked if they dodged a bullet by Trevor Bauer or by not signing Trevor Bauer, I'm sorry. And, uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, listen, the Mets fan base hasn't gotten a W for a long time. I'll give them that. But they just got new ownership. Their team went out and spent some money. They made a blockbuster trade, and they're on the up and up. They have a potential to win their division. So you're fine. You're fine. You already have a solid rotation. You know, it, it, just getting Trevor Bauer would have been a sweeter addition, if you will. Same with the Dodgers. It's an embarrassment of riches on both ends for both pitching staffs. But – I just still think it's hilarious how personal Twitter, New York Mets Twitter is taking it. And like, I saw some of the comments in that story and they're just calling Rachel liar. Like none of it's true and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, listen, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to go off of what I know. And uh, I know that Trevor's a Dodger and that's all that matters. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I just, look, I think Met fan also is probably still harboring grudges over the fact that strawberry ended up signing with the Dodgers you know, even though if you, I don't know if anybody's seen that story that Daryl Strawberry actually regrets coming to the Dodgers. I have he, seen that. 
he, you know, he says he wish he would have stayed with the Mets, you know, that there's always going to be that, that, you know, that rivalry between the East coast, West coast, you know, of all the teams. Yeah. I think it probably would have been, I mean, you think Met fan is losing their mind now. They would have lost their mind if he would have signed with the Yankees. I mean, that, that Twitter would have exploded. I think for them going to the Dodgers and we've talked about this before, the Dodgers are the new villains. They're the new villains of baseball. So anytime an elite player signs with the Dodgers, we're going to hear it from other franchises. Well, and, and I mean, listen, the, the NL West is a legit, and we'll just jump into it. We'll preview the NL West. The NL West is a legit like division now. What I mean by that is that you have two viable contenders that could come out easily as one and two, one, a one B one B one a, you know, wild card division guy, um, you know, because the Padres made all the moves that they made. Uh, the D-backs rotation, for the most part, seems, you know, pretty set and, and and what they're doing, too. I mean, everyone made pretty good moves is what I'm getting at. You know, the Giants went out and made some moves. Uh, you know, the D-backs made some moves. Obviously, the Padres and the Dodgers made moves. The, the one team that didn't was the Rock. Well, they made a move, but it just wasn't a great one, was the Rockies trading away Nolan Arenado. Um, and Josiah Gray just gave up a home run. Just a, a status update. Uh-oh. Um, but uh, be that as it may, so the Dodgers obviously have more star quality, you know, starting pitchers than pretty much any team right now, right? And the Padres rotation definitely looks better than those 84 and 98 teams that that led them, you know, to, to the promised land, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, but, but as far as, like, the quality goes – you know, the D-backs, we know that that rotation is going to be legit as, as it stands today. Uh, Matt, your, your boy, Mad Bum Juan, is mm -hmm. the, uh, the ace of that rotation. Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, Luke Weaver, and Caleb Smith. That's not a terrible rotation. Uh, you know, they're going to be, you know, raising up some noise. What's going to be interesting to see with the D-backs, though, is, uh, is just kind of how everyone that they have in the minors that they've acquired starts to come up. Because we have to remember – they made some, some pretty big, you know, acquisitions and they've drafted some solid players. Let's not forget Dansby Swanson. Where did he start? And they traded him away. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, where even, you know, the, the, the A's, or I'm sorry, the Diamondbacks have always, I see their logo and I see A's and I don't know why I've always done that, <laughs> but they, you know, they've always had a knack for acquiring talent, but they traded away a la Paul Goldschmidt. So it's one of those things where, where things like that always happen, but I'm curious to hear. So from, from your thoughts with all the moves that everyone made, I just brought up those three teams, right? We haven't even talked about the giants yet. Obviously we know that the one a and one B are going to be the Padres as far as kind of the, the rest of the division. How do you see the rest of the division faring against those guys going into these, these, you know, almost super teams, if you will. Well, I think what's going to happen is everyone's going to beat up on the Rockies. Right. So the difference now is how do the San Diego Padres and the Dodgers fare against? I think you added the Giants on there, too, because the Giants, I didn't expect anything from the Giants last year. Now, mind you, yes, it was a 60 game season, but the Giants were for a minute there. And maybe it was also because eight teams were making the playoffs, but they were fighting for a playoff spot. And that team can be scrappy. I mean, there's been years, uh, I forget how, a couple of years ago when the Dodgers won the division, and actually the, I think the Padres were fighting with the Dodgers. 
and then they just couldn't beat the Giants. They ended up losing so many head-to-head games against the Giants, and it ended up costing them. You know, the, soon the Dodgers pulled away. So I can see that happening this year. I can see that got, teams like the Diamondbacks or the Giants are going to start surprising the Dodgers and the Padres. So I feel it's very important that you win those games within the division because I think the biggest key is you have to win the division. Roger brought this up before going into a, if you go in, I mean, you could win over 90 games this season and you're going to be a wild card. And now you're going to go in a short series against someone maybe like the Mets or the Braves. You're going to face Jacob DeGrom in a short series. And we all know Dodger fans know how that feels facing Jason uh, Jacob DeGrob in a, in a short series. So I think the Dodgers can't take teams like the Giants or the Diamondbacks lightly just because they don't look the same on paper as those teams are. And hey, those players, you know, they're getting paid, they're hungry, and that's the beauty about baseball, right? Is just teams that aren't supposed to compete. I mean, everyone had written off the Marlins last year and they ended up making the playoffs. So I think not only the Diamondbacks, but I also think our hated rivals, the Giants, are a team that cannot be taken lightly. That being said, if everything works out the way it's supposed to work out, yeah, it's going to be the Dodgers and the and the Padres. And those 19 matchups during the year are probably are, are going to determine who wins the division. But the Diamondbacks and the Giants, I'm sure, aside from hoping to make the playoffs, also want to play spoiler. No, and I agree with that. I uh, the Giants had had a, a, a quiet winter, but I feel like a productive winter by going out and signing Anthony Discalfini, Alex Wood, and Aaron Sanchez. But catch this though, to all one-year deals, so it still gives them a little bit of flexibility to get better if they're if they end up being a you know decent you know they're they're and they signed Tommy Lastella too, didn't and they? And they signed Tommy Lastella, and I mean that's the unknown though with the Giants is their durability. You know, their, their durability is is going to be a concern in part because, the, you know, some of the starters that they have are a little bit more of a risk. For instance, Discalfini, Wood, and Sanchez are all coming off of injuries. And uh, and one, Mr. Mr. Johnny Cueto, is in the final year of his deal. He struggled a little bit with his inconsistency last year as well. But listen, Johnny Cueto is a gamer, and so I'm not worried about that. You know, they also have, as a non-roster invite, our, our old friend, Scott Casimir. So it's, you know, they, they're, they're taking some chances on some guys. And, uh, you know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. The Rockies, on the other hand, let me just say one thing about the Rockies. They played themselves. They put themselves in this situation unnecessarily. You know, last year it was reported that, actually, I know it happened because of the source uh, that, that gave out that story. Jeff Breidich. And Nolan Arenado almost got into a fist fight. The NLBL is you can't be trying to get into a fist fight with your franchise player just because you're pissed that he told you that you don't know anything about baseball. You went to Harvard, man. You're an Ivy League guy. You didn't play in the show. You can't tell a guy that's in the show to essentially shut the hell up. You can't do that, dude. So, of course, he's going to be pissed. And literally the only reason that they, they couldn't pull off a trade of any kind to the Dodgers is the Rockies didn't want to trade him within the division. That's the only reason that didn't happen. So, I mean, you know, they, they put themselves in the murky unknowns because now, you know, the likelihood of them re-signing Trevor Story is slim to none. They moved on from David Dahl. You know, I'm sure 
you know, come July, there's, they're going to want to trade away some of, you know, the, the, the Jemar Marquez's of the world, you know, the, the Kyle Freeland's of the world, the Santa Nazella's of the world, uh, you know, to move on from them because they're just, they're going to, they're probably going to win 70 games, 60 games. If, if everything goes as planned. So, yeah, I mean, it sucks they're going to get beat up on, but it's by their own doing like that. There's no other way to put it. They did it to themselves and that's their prerogative. And it is what it is. I, I do feel bad for that fan base because that fan base, although quiet is a loyal fan base. And for the 25 years of existence of that franchise, they, they they've gotten a world series appearance and have not won uh, a division. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I, I hope the best, but it's, it's kind of like what the Dodgers with our boy here, Roger, when he, uh, when he instigated insurrection against Frank McCourt, uh, you know, it, it might take something, some sort of a movement like that to make that, you know, that franchise kind of turn the corner, but uh, you know, but the, I mean, the Padres though, no matter, no matter how many people say that the Padres are still the little brother, listen, the Padres are legit. That rotation's legit. I don't care that they've been losing these spring games. It's one of those things where everyone's just trying to get their reps in. They, that's a legit rotation. I mean, Blake, you, you go out and you go get Blake Snell, you go get you Darvish, and then you bring in the Austin Nolas of the world, and then you tie up your entire infield for, for a long time to come, and those are reliable bats. Listen, that's a legit team. And, you know, if and there was rumblings that they were trying to acquire Josh Hader. I, I don't believe that, and I don't believe it for a second because the Brewers – are still being aggressive. Like they're going to, they, in their minds, they're going to win. Right. So I'm not worried about them pulling off that move, but I mean, man, that's a legit team, but what were you going to say Juan? Well, I just wanted to jump in on that Scott Casimir signing, mm-hmm. which first of all, I, I think the Dodgers are still paying him uh, They are this year. So they're, they're paying him. And I didn't know the guy was still playing. I thought he was done. I thought, I thought he was done for sure. But going back to your to the Rockies, it, it, it is unfortunate. And I think it, it's also one of those things where you hear the term competitive balance. And, you know, when you have a team that is as poorly run as the Rockies are, you know, it just messes up because now everybody in that division is going to beat up on the Rockies. Now, come to the trade deadline. Is there a player on that roster? that you would want, that you would want to trade for. I mean, I guess you could do Trevor. You could trade for Trevor story. If you need, but I'm sure the Rockies will find a way to blow that. Yeah. I mean, no, they have, they have, listen, they have viable players. It's just, they're, they're a good way to put it. I've heard it from, from a front officer. So I'm just going to word this in a way where they won't know who it came from. Um, Cause that's the thing they're, they're, they're bitter about even these sorts of things getting out. And it's like, yo, if you're that mad about your culture, then fix your culture. Like it, it's not that hard. You know, they don't spend anything on, on data. And obviously we know where, where everything's going with data. You, they, they, they're, they're coaching in general. Listen, I love Bud Black. I was around that dude for a long time, but he, there's only so much even he can do. And and the, those sorts of guys that are there, right? The Jim Tracy's of the world, you know, the Clint Hurdles of the world. Um, you know, they 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 don't spend money where it needs to be spent. I, this is said time and time again. The Dodgers treat every single prospect, no matter where they are in the rankings, like a number one prospect. You need you need help with fielding. You need help with whatever. We'll let you do it. Gavin Luck spent the offseason getting getting fungo infield practice from Dino Ebel. Yeah. That's a, that, you know, so, I mean, it's the Dodgers do that, you know, with the way you're supposed to from top to bottom, they do that with every single guy. Uh, even, even guys that are not on the 40 man, 
that they see that are a Tony Gonsolin. Tony Gonsolin is one of those guys, right? That they don't see as like a, a top tier prospect or, you know, wasn't drafted in the first round, all that stuff. Right. They still gave him all those tools to have access to the Rockies. Don't do that. The Padres do that. The giants even do that. The giants have a fantastic minor league system from the director down. So it's, you know, they, they do it to themselves because they don't want to invest back in it. And it, they still can't complain that they're not able to compete because if you're not going to invest, you're never going to compete. So it's like the pod, the pirates, the pirates are a factory of just legit dudes that can ball. Chris Archer was a stud when he was there. Garrett Cole, uh, you know, all these guys that are legit, but they don't invest. That's why all these guys end up leaving. So it's, it's one of those things where the Rockies do it to themselves for no, for no, no good damn reason, aside from maybe ownership just wants to hold on to money. And if that's the prerogative, Hey, so be it. But I mean, as far as like trade assets go, those guys we talked about, John Gray, Centenazella, uh, uh, Herman Marquez, those are all viable dudes that can be traded away. Trevor Story can be a rental for someone, you know, so it's, it's, you know, heaven forbid someone gets injured and you got to acquire him. But I mean, they, they have the, the dudes that can be moved, but the thing that they run into kind of like with the Nolan thing, the no one, the reason not a lot of teams wanted to do business with them is they just want a haul and then some like a bananas haul. And some of those guys, it's like, yeah, they're good but you're not going to get our number one and number two prospects just because you asked for them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one thing I, I, uh, that intrigues me though about the giants is this is uh, Buster Posey's last year. And I, I don't know what the giants are going to do. I mean, I, this is just more as, as from a fan's perspective is, you know, I always associate Buster Posey as a giant. I think, it's going to be interesting to see if he calls it a career or if he moves on to another team to see him with another team. But the Giants have some scrappy players. I, you know, Yaskremski is a. I wouldn't mind having that guy on my team. So I, I think teams like the Giants and the Diamondbacks, I think, have players that you know are are going to keep the games close and competitive. And if you're not on your game. You know, you end up losing a game and you're just you're losing a game that you should have won. It's going to come back and kick you in the butt. And I just don't have that feeling with the Rockies, the, the Rocky, other than the fact that I, you know, I think that stadium, uh, the Rockies stadium is a beautiful stadium. Well, it's gorgeous. But it is to watch a base to have actually play a baseball game there. It, it just I dread it just because of what it does to bullpens. You know, so the fact that the Rockies are down, you know, they still have, you know, Blackman, who is like a professional hitter. And, you know, I, I just the Rockies don't scare me. I And not to say that the Giants or the Diamondbacks scare me, but I am just I do feel like those are those two teams that if you don't show up to play, those are two teams that I think that can beat you just because, you know, they're going to try hard. It, there's something that you can say about effort in, in sports. You know, you if you look on paper, you should easily beat a team. But if a team goes out there and they're giving 110% and you're not, that's how you can get beat. So in terms of the division, yes, the Padres are the ones that we had the big bullseye. The Padres are the ones that we are probably going to be paying the most attention to. But I, I think we just can't lose sight of the Diamondbacks and, and the Giants either. They're going to have something to say in who wins this division. Well, let's not forget that both those teams, the D-backs and the Giants, 
when they're good or when they're bad. They they owe they're scrappy teams no matter what. Doesn't matter who's playing there if if they have a, a top tier starting rotation or not. That they've just always played interdivisionally scrappy games. I mean, let's not forget several years ago when they threw a Zach Greinke. You know, they, they were they were still a scrappy team that was just right there, just giving them the business too. You know, so it's you know that they've always been pretty consistent uh, as far as Posey goes. I will say this about Posey. Uh, Joe Maurer would have made no sense in another team uniform. Buster Posey doesn't make sense in another team uniform either. Uh, so you, I, you think you think he's going to retire? I think he's going to retire. He's won everything. That dude has won everything. He's made plenty of money. Uh, you know, he he he's he's given it all, if you will, for that franchise. And he's you know he's he's a he's been loyal from from the start to now. Uh, I I think he would call it. Um, but also, I mean, who knows, right? It, it's a weird era now. No one really plays. We don't really see the. The how, how many guy. years has he played? Uh, I actually don't know. I don't even remember what his damn first name is, his actual first name. See, and Buster. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing that I find interesting, right? Is these are guys that I don't know off the top of my head how many years they've played, but they, you know, they don't feel like they're old. I mean, do we talk about Kershaw being old, but Kershaw's only 32 years old. Yeah. I'm still in the mindset that players play until their late 30s. And now you see players, and mind you, Buster Pony, Buster Posey didn't play last year. No. He opted out. So for him to have this maybe be his last season, I, I just I find it really interesting where maybe he can retire because, like you said. He's what won three where he was on all three of those uh, giant world series teams. Right. Yeah. And he's won an MVP. You're absolutely right. He has nothing else to prove. He's made his money. And, and it's just so fascinating that it, it's, it's one of those things that I never consider where a player, okay, I've done everything I, I need. I don't need any more money. It's just, to me, it seems like such a, a novel concept that a player would say, I don't need any more money. I have enough. Now I'm going to go, you know, spend time with my family, raise my kids, the stuff that we were talking. Oh, and also I, I you know, I, I just want to bring this up because I was talking about Buster Posey contemplating, uh, you know, retirement. Uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about, we're thinking that Kershaw was going to call it raps at, at well, it seems like at the beginning of spring training, he made that perfectly clear to people that he's not done playing. I, I'm curious to see what he does after the season. Because obviously when you show up to spring training, everyone's excited. Hey, we're back. We're back. And then you go through the grind of a season. You're like, damn it. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so it's so that's why I'm kind of curious to, to see how how that uh, how that goes. As far as Posey goes, he's been playing since 09. Um Fun fact that I did not know about Buster Posey, his career batting average is 302. Well, I guess if you want to retire hitting 300, that this would be a good year to do it, right? Six-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ, NL MVP in 2012, NL Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove guy, four-time Silver Slugger. I mean, he's, he's won it all. NL batting champion in 2012, I remember that. I mean, he, he's done it all. By the way, his real name is Gerald Dempsey. Posey the third Gerald Dempsey so here's here's the million dollar question is he a first ballot hall of famer yes zero doubt there, there's no there's zero doubt zero doubt I know you guys hate the Giants but I look I I don't look at it from the fans as he's a first ballot hall of famer 
You know, it's just to me, you know, talking about the Hall of Fame, it's always been for me, if you have to think about it, then they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like these guys that get in on their ninth, tenth time, it just it drives me nuts. I've always thought Buster Posey was a very good player. Uh, I've never considered him to be like one of the top players in Major League Baseball, but I was not aware that he had a lifetime average of 300 of 302. And that is one of those things, too, that when I look back and I see players numbers, I'm just like, oh, dang. Like the other day, I just randomly I I like to randomly look up players, um, you know, lifetime numbers. I didn't realize that Canseco came that close to hitting 500 home runs. Yep. And if he would have gotten to 500, I'm sure he still wouldn't have gone in because of the whole steroid thing. But when you think about it, especially early on in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, Canseco was stealing bases. He was hitting home runs. He was a five-tool player. And I, I just, I, I, it just it surprised me. I did not realize that he was that close to hitting 500, 500 home runs. But if Buster Posey, you know, calls the quits, it's it's an end of an era in terms of as a Dodger fan seeing that rivalry and pretty soon you're going to be looking at the Giants roster and it's not going to be any players that you were so used to rooting against. And that shows you how good everyone is now to get to this level, too, you know, because you hear about JT Realmuto, you hear about Will Smith, you know, you hear about all these other backstops, dude. He, he You know, one, one thing to, to Buster Posey, the thing I've always respected about him. He goes about his business the way you're supposed to, right? But also, he knows how to call a game. And that, for me, is obviously, you know, we, we, we didn't get into it with Rafael, but, I mean, you know, I, I know that's one of the things that, for him, it, it, you know, that, that as a former catcher and the catchers that he's worked with, you know, it, it, that's the most important thing is being able to call a game, not just based on what's on your wristband, you know, pad that, that tells you positional stuff or, you know, pitches that are swinging misses or whatever the case may be, but it's, he calls a game, but also not only able to call a game, but to also on the flip side, be an offensive threat. And Buster, Buster's quietly done that. That's what's insane. He's quietly done that because we have to remember on those Giants teams that he was on, Madison Bumgarner's on that team. Matt Cain's on those teams. Uh, you know, all those guys that took took away some of the pressure from him, yeah. for him just to go out. Joe Panic. Joe Panic is a gamer. Brandon Crawford, gamer. So, I mean, all these guys – you know, they, they went out and they, you know, did the thing and Bruce Bochy had all the trust in the world in him to, to go out there and do it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I no doubt in my mind that, uh, that he's, he's, I mean, he's been all MLB team, I think three times too. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's legit. And when, one thing I want to add before everybody starts at, at, you know, at, at me on, on Twitter, uh, after they listen to this podcast. Yes, I understand that this is a Dodgers podcast. and We are all Dodger fans. But I also would like to believe that I'm not going to be one of those guys that is going to completely disrespect a player just because they play on the rivals team. I'm going to be honest. If a guy can play, he can play and he deserves to get the kudos. I got added at last time because of the Mike Trout love fest that I I supposedly, (laughs) I guess, throughout. I just, to me, it's just, you're just being completely myopic or you're just being a troll if you don't acknowledge the greatness uh, of Mike Trout. Okay. Uh, Every, uh, that one year that Cody was having that great season and then people were saying that Cody was the best player 
in the league. It's like, come on, guys. And now that I keep hearing Tatis, it's just like, come on, guys. There's another guy that 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 plays Major League Baseball. So I, I think it's appropriate to acknowledge that Buster Posey has had a hell of a career uh, for in Major League Baseball. And yes, he happens to play for the hated ones. But he deserved you tip your hat to that guy because that guy battled that guy. I remember him giving Kershaw really tough at bats and hell, I mean, they won three World Series. I would love to be able to say that during this run that the Dodgers ended up winning three World Series. But I, I, as I said, if you're going to listen to this show, you're going to listen to honest commentary. And, you know, I would much prefer to give a player their due than just sit here and just hate on everybody. Speaking of uh, potential uh, first ballot Hall of Famers, as we look at the AL West, uh, do you think Albert Pujols is a, is a Hall of Famer? Yes, he is. But I will say this, and, and this is after I gave this whole speech about <laughs> I'm not going to hate on players. You look at those first 10 years that he played with those car- the, the Cardinals, those his numbers are ridiculous. They're insane. They they are video game numbers. Like his numbers, his first ten years with the St. Louis Cardinals are better than Trout's numbers. And I sit here and I tell you every episode that Mike Trout is the best player I've ever seen. The only issue that I have with Pujols, and there's no way that I can prove this, but because he played in the steroid era. He had some injuries in those first 10 years with the St. Louis Cardinals that were those weird injuries that those steroids guys that were that were getting like that they, you know, they sneezed and they ended up throwing their back out or stuff like that. So that's the only thing with pool hosts is I'm not convinced that during that era that he wasn't a steroid guy. Uh, But that being said, as I said, those 10 years with the Cardinals you, he gets in alone, even if he would have retired, if he never would have came over to the Angels. And even if you look at his tenure with the Angels, he still put up numbers. So he is no no chump. He's, yes, he is definitely a Hall of Famer. It's just in the back of my mind, I'm always going to have that thought because he, he played in that era. Did he? And that's the reason why I think Griffey always gets a pass for me. Because I feel that Griffey, you know, even though Griffey was putting up video game numbers, I think Griffey aged the way that I was used to seeing players aged. Once Griffey got into his 30s, in particular, once he went over to the Cincinnati Reds, he started getting injuries that you would normally get when you enter into that age range. So that's why I've never really suspected that Griffey was, you know, a steroid guy. But pool hosts there, there was just some times where I was just like, are, are those numbers legit? But if those numbers are legit, those numbers are very impressive. And yeah, he's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, uh, I, I worked in the game during the steroid era and everything I've heard is that he was clean. Oh, okay. So I believe that, um, you know, and, and he, he takes that serious too. So I, I believe it. Uh, just for comparison's sake, three-time ML MVP, 10-time All-Star, nine-time All-Star, I'm sorry, with, with the Cardinals, uh, two-time Gold Glove, a batting title, uh, the rookie of the year, two times World Series, six times Silver Slugger, NLCS MVP. That's insane. And that's just the first 10 years that he's in, in the league, or 11, really, because he was with the, the Cardinals for 11 years. 
what do you think his batting average was for those 11 years? Wasn't it like 330? 328. Yeah, I, I knew it was up there because he, uh, yeah, that, I mean, the guy was a hitting machine, but am I the only one that heard those steroid things about him? Or, I, I mean, am I just being a complete hater? There was always talk, but I mean, a part of it is because if you hit 50 bombs and 30 bombs, 40 bombs, whatever, you're juicy. That's just, that. that's that's how that era was. And I mean, I get it. You know, it's, you know, because of how open, I mean, when I, I mean, obviously I can tell you guys some of these stories off the air because I can't appear because it'll, it'll give away some stuff to some people that'll be pissed. When I tell you guys that people were openly talking about juicing, they were openly talking about juicing. Like we would be eating lunch in the clubhouse talking about that. So, I mean, it's, that's how open it was. So everyone for the most part knew who was juicing. So if someone's got some implications on them being considered, you know, on, on the gas, they were on the gas. There's a reason why Roger Clemens hasn't gone about shit the way that he has that, or the, the way that you would, if you hadn't actually guessed, does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, Clemens to me, I, I remember, you know, that last year with Boston, he looked like he was done and then he went to Toronto and he was a completely different guy. Mm-hmm. But who was in Toronto during that time? Uh, who was it? Uh, um, oh, damn it. You say the name because I'm, I'm it was Jose right. Canseco. Canseco, thank you. Canseco was playing with the Blue Jays at that time. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's unfortunate about that era is anybody who played that in that era, there is going to be that cloud. Um but it, I mean, honestly, like I said, I just recently looked at his numbers specifically with the Cardinals. And I mean, the, you take that same time frame and you compare it to Trout's, his numbers are better than Trout. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And maybe I just never really considered it because he played for the Cardinals. And aside from the Giants, I don't think there's a team that I hate most in the NL than the, the Cardinals of St. Louis. I mean... Look, I'm still traumatized from 1985. We should <laughs> the Dodgers should have won that series, and I think they would have beaten the Royals in '85. I just like and how you're still you're still deep. 36 years later, you're still just pained. Look, I got to tell you, I mean that is that is my first memory as a Dodger fan. Okay, I was eight years old when that happened, and the first memory that I have as a Dodger fan are those two consecutive games: Ozzie Smith hitting that home run and Jack. Clark hitting that home run. So it, when 88 happened, I was the happiest guy in the world because I finally had a positive memory. And right. that's again, why I will always be a Dodger fan and I can't root for any other team because I don't have the same emotional investment. This is my team. This is who I grew up with. It, it hurts me when they lose, but yeah, no, Albert Pujols, definitely a first ballot hall of famer. Well, and let's, uh, let's, let's, you know, we're, we're, this is a part of our uh, preview series. I should have prefaced uh, my bad, but uh, as we look at the AL West, uh, it's ironic that we're starting there because Rogers second favorite team, the Houston Astros <laughs> are in uh, the AL West. And uh, you know what? All things considered the, the angels, I think that division is going to be a, 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 whoever stays healthy going into the end between the angels and the Astros. Uh, the the Angels, my former employer, uh, they're they're set to use a six man rotation that has Shohei Otani, that has Dylan Bundy, that has the short lived Dodger kind of Andrew Haney, uh, Griffin Canning, Jose Quintanilla, and Alex Cobb. 
the Jose Quintanilla and Alex Cobb and Dylan Bundy signings were low-key solid signings. I was actually pleasantly surprised um, that they went out and got them. So, you know, going out and making those moves, getting those guys is great. Shoei Otani so far, if he stays healthy, he has the potential to be that legit two-way player that everyone's been saying that he is. And, uh, and they can obviously be aggressive with them if he's healthy. So, I mean, listen, if, if I think if the angels can do that, they have a solid chance at either being a wild card or winning that division, uh, because they they've gone out and, and made, you know, they, they've quietly rebuilt, if you will, uh, in a way that they, that they should have done a long time ago. And, and, and I mean, obviously they were crippled by the, the Pujols deal. But I mean, that's essentially why they just told Trout, listen, what do you want? <laughs> we'll just we'll just give you what you want just so you stay here forever. And that's going to be the other thing. Trout's uh, been talking about that this week. You know, that that uh, the lack of playoff lingering over him, that he hears it all the time. So it sounds like that might be a little bit of a driver for him. And if that does drive him, that's scary. Because we've already seen what, what, what Trout can do. But if you have a motivated Trout coming out every day, Jesus, like I don't want to be around that or be near that. Because that dude already is the best player on the planet, zero doubt. And then you look at the Astros. The Astros have lost Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton, and Garrett Cole in free agency over the last few years. But Justin Verlander sounds like he might he he might be healthy in the next little bit. So we'll, you know that'll be interesting to see. The the old uh, teammate of, of of the Dodgers here, Zach Greinke's there, uh, and, he, and now he's a little bit more of a of a crafty player, if you will. And, uh, you know, they have Frambler Valdez, who it sounds like he was hurt. Um, you know, so it, it, point is, Lance McCullers is, is the, the ace of that staff, if you will. And it, they have more questions than they do answers with their staff now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go into the season with that. I'm also curious to see how much Granky has left in the tank. Because if you remember, the Dodgers didn't want to sign him to that long-term deal because they were worried about that. And, you know, his fastball sits at like 87, 88, somewhere in there now. And it's faded a little bit over time. And Lance McCullers hasn't really had a full healthy season yet. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they go out and, and bang, if you will, with the Angels. And the other team that I, the, I mean, the, the, the dark horse in that division, which is just about every year, is the A's. The yep. A's, the A's are, I mean, everyone forgets about those pesky A's. I mean, they're stupid white shoes always come out of nowhere and just catch everyone by surprise because they have our old prospect, Frankie Montes. They have him, uh, you know, they, and it'll, it'll, he, he was the opening day starter last year, you know, Chris Bassett, who's, who's been an anchor in that rotation. He's there. And uh, I mean, listen, they, they have, and that dude also got some AL Cy Young, AL Cy Young award votes too. So, I mean, they have some stuff. There's a reliever that they have. His name is Jesus Rusardo. That dude is legit. And that's, and that's, I mean, they, they have, and let's not forget Sean Manaya. So, I mean, they have all these players that we all know, but it's just the A's being the A's. And, you know, that there's going to be talk about Matt Chapman. There's going to be talk about Matt Olson, the two Matts out there. They're legit. So, I mean, they're a dark horse that can obviously just come out and just got a combo breaker, just take those two, those two teams out easy. But I'm kind of curious. We talked about Trout. We talked about all that stuff. Who do you think is going to win the division? Oh, and the Mariners. Uh, the reason I didn't talk about the Mariners, this is going to be a shot, but it's because I hate when front office people get involved in stuff. The Mariners are very boring. Um, that, that's a shot at you there, Kevin Mather. Uh, I'm glad they, they moved on from him. But as right far now, as, he's never going to come on the show. Hey, listen, I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> and then the Rangers too. Let's not forget about the Rangers. You know, they, they, no one's expecting the Rangers to make a lot of noise, but you know, they, they've made a few moves. Our old friend, Chris Woodward from the Dodgers is, is still trying to piece things together down there. And, uh, and, and they have some moves, but definitely you're not going to, they're not going to be able to contend with those three teams we just spoke of. Be that as it may, how do you see the AL West p- uh, playing out? Well, I think it's the Angels division to lose. All right. And only because of what you had mentioned before, the, uh, the other teams I think have, a lot of question marks. You never know what to expect with the with the athletics of Oakland. You you just don't know what's going to show up there. There may be a team. I mean, there's a lot of times I've seen them and I'm like, how are they winning? I don't know who any of these guys are that they have on the squad, but they they end up winning games with the tried and true formula in baseball, which is good be good good pitching and solid defense. Um, I think the Astros have a lot of question marks too. Uh, you know, now this is one year after the scandal. You know, you saw how Altuve struggled offensively. I'm curious to see if those offensive struggles continue next year. They lost Springer, uh, but I mean, they might have something offensively that they can replace him because I think not having Springer is probably going to allow Alvarez to have a, a few more at bats. Um, but I, like you mentioned, you had already uh, laid it out pretty well. The pitching, I think the pitching has a lot of question marks. I, I don't know what you can expect from Verlander because Verlander again is he's up there in age now, isn't he? Isn't he in his late thirties? I think he's 37 and he's a power pitcher. Yeah. So, you know, coming from uh, that kind of injury, you know, usually it takes time before you regain your form. So I think, Everything is lining up for the Angels to win the division and the Angels should, you know, shouldn't have an excuse. I also think the fact that they they have Joe Madden and Joe Madden plays a style of baseball that I admire. Uh, They're very aggressive on the base pads. And I think being aggressive on the base pads ends up you steal some games that maybe you had no business in winning because, you know, it's that old brand. And I think Joe Madden's done a really good job of blending that old school baseball with the new um, Saber Matrix style of baseball. So, of course, like health always plays a factor in everything. You know, I think their pitching staff, they get a couple injuries. And like you said, with Otani, I know a lot of people are rooting for him to have a full healthy season. I mean, look, the guy still hasn't played one healthy season. And I think everyone, I think it's more of a curiosity factor of what can he pull it off? Can he pitch and hit at the same time for one long season? Um, So, yeah, I think the Angels... It's their division uh, to lose. If if everyone stays healthy in that Angels roster, uh, what I foresee is uh, in the and if let's say, excuse me, let's say the A's are also healthy. Obviously, there there's more questions than uh, th- there's a few questions I will say with the A's, uh, like the Elvis Andrews trade. I get why they did it, but it's one of those. Where it's like wait, what? But maybe they think the change of scenery will help. Things like that. Matt Chapman's a bad dude. Matt Chapman is may, you know, in, in the eyes of a lot might be the best third baseman in baseball. Uh, and I, you know, uh, he's up there. So it's one of those things where they have all these intangible players. And I mean, if we're honest, you know, when, when the injury, or I'm sorry, when the A's made those playoff runs, 
they, I mean, who Jason Giambi was their, their marquee player, you know, during those money ball teams. So, I mean, they, they have a history of making you work. They have a history of being able to, to get stuff, you know, kind of uh, to maximize, if you will, the, the best talent with what they get. So that's why I'm interested to see what these A's do because now they're not as quiet. Now everyone, you know, everyone knows the Mats, the Matt Olson, the Matt Chapman, you know, Sean Manaya, you know, that, 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 that rotation, if you will, everyone knows kind of what's coming. I do feel like it is the angels division to lose, uh, you know, cause they, we didn't even mention Rendon. We didn't even mention Pujols, you know, I mean, they, they have, you know, a, a relatively well put together team. And it sounds like it might also be Pujols a swan song year. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, so that, that obviously is going to be kind of a little bit of a Kickstarter for everyone to kind of get the thing going. But I'm glad that you mentioned Joe Madden because Joe Madden, if the Cubs, the reason that that, that Cubs team worked is because of Joe Madden. Uh, it's just like the Dodgers. The Dodgers had, you know, if you don't have a good manager, in my opinion, it, the, you know, you could have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that tandem of, of a coaching staff to make that work, it's not going to work. And I think Joe Madden is the right manager for the Trouts of the world, you know, because Trout just wants to go out and play. He just wants to go out and do his thing you know, put it, keep his head down and not, not, not get any attention. Cool. What, what do they say? A manager is good for what? 10 wins a season. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think Madden, but what Madden does is he adds looseness to a clubhouse because that clubhouse is filled with a lot of older guys and younger guys. Anthony Radone is what you would call roughneck. He, he likes to go out and, 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 you know, follow the old school way of going about stuff. Then you look over, you know, across the way you have Andrew Haney, you know, you have even even Joe Adele, you know, these younger guys that are prospects that are coming up, they have a completely different style of how they go about stuff, right? And so it's 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 gonna be interesting how those two things match up. But I think at the end of the day, where the Angels have a huge benefit is in the rotation because they have some depth. You know, Jose Quintanilla scoring him, that's not a bad pickup. I mean, that dude can still he can, you know, he we all saw what he did in Chicago. So it's it's one of those things where even Alex Cobb, Alex Cobb is, is, is a solid arm too. Otani is for sure the wild card. And, uh, and he just made two starts last season, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, you know, because of the forearm elbow situation, but, you know, Dylan Bundy is coming off of his best season and Haney proved last year that he can stay healthy. He's got good stuff. And then Canning is coming up as a solid starter. So, I mean, all in all, the, the, they 90, I feel like I would say 80% of getting everything going is making sure that you have a solid pitching staff. And if you have all the other pieces in place, all that'll work. It's just a matter of getting five innings from your starters every day, then going into your pen. And they have some solid pen arms too. So, you know, they, they went out and got Patrick Sandoval, you know, they got uh, uh, Chris Rodriguez and Jose Suarez. So, I mean, they're all there. So, I mean, it's, it's like you said, I think it's their divisional lose in part two, because I hate the Astros. I mean, that's just where it's at. <laughs> I don't like cheaters and that's that. So, I mean, it's that, uh, but on that note, we will, we will, uh, we will end the, the podcast. So, I mean, all in all, uh, we, we would talk baseball, like real baseball too. Like we weren't just like looking at stuff, but like actual baseball. Exactly. I mean, it feels good. I mean, it, this is how we're going to actually be able to react to what players are doing as opposed to, you know, that's the thing. I, I get it. You know, it's the talking head premise where, well, this is what we think is going to happen. Now we can actually, you know, react to what we're seeing on the field. And, and it's just, it's just good. I mean, look, it, it, spring training represents hope, 
right? Everyone thinks they have a chance, even though realistically, there's a lot of teams that don't. Sorry, Colorado <laughs> Rockies. You've already been eliminated first day of spring training and you've been eliminated. But, you know, it's it's you look at camp. Everybody looks good. Oh, he's looking good. You hear all these stories. You don't hear stories about like, oh, what's going on with this guy right now? He's looking terrible. As spring training progresses, we're going to see what this roster is going to look like. Right. We're going to see, you know, who's going to spell Kike. We're going to see, I think, primarily for the Dodgers at the end of spring training. I think to me, the most important thing is what we're going to learn is what the bench is going to look like and what the bullpen is going to look like. Um, I'm really curious. Some of these guys, that Miller kid, their first round pick last, uh, last year, uh, he, he pitched one inning and he looked like he was out there dealing. So, and we didn't get a chance to talk about Michael Bush and Josiah Gray, even though Josiah Gray did give up a home run today, but it, it is, again, this is the part that I like about spring training. We get to see those players. I don't go to as many minor league games as some other people do. So I'm really not that familiar with the minor leaguers. So that's why I like spring training because I get to see these guys and be like, oh, we got that guy coming up on the pipeline. So I want to see more of that guy. I have a rule of thumb. Two weeks. You give spring training two weeks, and then you have an idea of where everyone is legitimately at. So Next week, by the time that we have this conversation again, we'll probably have a better understanding of where everyone's at. I will say this. Uh, we're not going to talk about the game that's happening right now because the Dodgers are getting their asses whooped. So we're just not even going to bring it up. Roger will be upset, and I'm not trying to upset Roger. By the way, we didn't even mention it. Roger's on location in Arizona. He's trying to get into a game. So if anyone's listening to this and you have some tickets, Roger will gladly take them off of your hands. He needs four. He needs four. And, and what's great, a lot of you, maybe we can get a picture of this and post it on our Twitter feed, but Roger is uh, traveling in a, in a uh, time machine. It's a 1986, um, what would you call it, babyface? I'm going to let you describe it. What, what are you traveling in? It's a 1986 Winnebago. Have you ever seen uh, Spaceballs? <laughs> it, it's the Eagle 5. <laughs> so, Roger, is that why you bought it? Is that why you bought it? When I bought it, I had no idea till, till oh, okay. I, showed, I showed a friend. I'm like, this is, I bought this. That's Eagle Five. I'm like, what? <laughs> so Roger is dressed up as Lone Star in Arizona looking for tickets uh, to get into Dodger games. So if we do have any Dodger fans in Arizona who are looking to unload tickets, um, hit us up on Dodgers Beat on the Twitter feed. And uh, Roger will drive up and give you a ride in the Spaceballs Winnebago. So I, like how, I, I like how you I can't believe too, we though. waited until the end of this show to, to, I mean, we buried the lead. I, Roger is in the space balls, Winnebago. The only thing he's missing is the wings. Listen, I was excited to talk baseball. I, <laughs> I, space balls didn't even cross my mind until just now minutes ago. But if you do see, if, if, uh, if anyone is legit trying to unload some tickets, please let us know. Uh, our, our boy Roger wants to like, you'll be able to actually see his face. So so please let us know at Dodgers beat. My Twitter handle is at the BN818 and, uh, and Juan's is at blue revolt film. Uh, I think, is that right? Wow. Very impressive. You know, I, you know, I, I said it was going to take 162 games for you to get it right. And I'm very impressed with you, Alonzo. It's my first week of spring training. So don't worry. I have plenty of time to blow it. <laughs> but on that note, we will end it as always. We really appreciate you guys uh, uh, checking in with us, listening to us. Uh, any questions you might have feedback as always. 
Uh, please, uh, please add us on Twitter. If you want to get angry at Juan again about the trout love, by all means do it. And, uh, and on that note, we will catch you guys next week. Again, this is the Bleed Lost Podcast, the Dodger Bleed Production. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.